At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Welcome to Oral Hygiene. This is the podcast where we look at educational, experimental, caught films and interesting documentaries. Um, this is Matt. With me today is Lindsay Sharman. Hello. Hello. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's my morning. I rolled out of bed. I I I got up with plenty of time, but I did have that thing where you are like, oh, I got five more minutes and it's 50 minutes later and I was like oh oh no Oops. yeah <laughs> the, time the, warp yeah well uh and, and I'm in Japan and the, the problem is the sun at this point of the year comes up at like 4 30 in the morning so <laughs> early like, to rise yeah well I, yeah but I like to go to bed at one or two so <laughs> you get two hours of sleep that's it <laughs> there we go um today's film anyway is a taro documentary from um 1996 i had to wait till the end to finally figure out exactly when this thing was made but uh <laughs> yeah uh lindsay could you give us like that tv guide synopsis of what we saw here yeah it was definitely like a <laughs> it had that 80s vibe and it was like the summary version of the lightest sort of dip you could ever take into tarot and it touched on the different aspects of it the little bit of historical context for it it was cool it had some like people who actually practiced it talking about how they do it and why they do it and all of that kind of stuff and but it had that sort of like almost like spoopy dramaticism you know like, oh, the tarot. And like, that was pretty fun, actually. Um, and of course, narrated by Christopher Lee. Like, what a choice. That was awesome. Yeah, that was the, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to find one of a reasonable vintage. And I see that. I'm like, oh, well, of course, that one. And yes, and you, you're prepared. You're ready. I'm about to hear this documentary uh, with, with Christopher Lee. And then he just comes in like booming as as hard as possible, which is is pretty wild. <laughs> And but, I just uh, have to, my brain is like, we are now in Mordor or something like. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with this, but uh, shortly before he died, he put out a couple of like metal albums. Rad. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it has like a 90 year old Christopher Lee just actually it's like death metal. He's like, you know, sitting and there's like two of them. He's sitting in a throne and just bellowing the entire time. He's not even really <laughs> singing, but I mean, for all I know, he's just reading Shakespeare over death metal, but. Uh, that's, that's, that's so cool. I, I think he is doing more metal lyrics than, than straight up Shakespeare. But yeah, it's a very, very endearing. It's <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. I love it. Because, uh, yeah, I, I, I always knew about Christopher Lee uh, growing up. I, was, I, I think the horror of da Dracula like scarred my father as a child. So he was always obsessed with the uh, Dracula that blew his mind or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he but, has like that scary aspect that works really well for so many things. <laughs> But uh, speaking of the, the card practices themselves, and um, how, how did you get into tarot in the first place? Uh, me, myself, I was very young. I think I was about 14. I usually say I, I have a hard time remembering exact dates, but um, I was at a little sort of party, a sleepover party, and all these girls were, it was just girls. And 
this older girl who's like 18 or 19 was doing tarot readings and I had no idea what that even meant or it just seemed like a weird game and everybody took a turn and I was kind of like mm, I don't know about this but finally it was I was the last person who hadn't gotten one yet so it was like my turn I was like well I'll try it like what can it hurt um and she did the reading and anybody who's used tarot or knows anything about tarot will know that is very very unlikely and highly strange but 100% of my cards were major arcana which is completely against all logic there's no it's very very low chances that that would ever happen i i do tarot regularly and i have maybe three or four a reading sometimes not even that much uh and every single one was major arcana and every single one was reversed so every card she was turning over she was like holy shit can we swear on this yeah, you, <laughs> Sorry, you fucking okay. swear. <laughs> okay, <good>. <laughs> <laughs> uh holy shit you know like oh my god what's happening by the last one she was like i don't even know what the fuck has happened i'm never coming back like i don't even want to touch this i don't know what's going on with you you're insane your life is going to be crazy and i was just like what's happening like what has happened to me i was like very upset by it because she seemed so terrified so I was hooked. I was like, what is this craziness? This is <laughs> rad. <laughs> yeah, I, I have nothing more in the toe dipped into it. I, I have my, my deck right here, which is intentionally beat up. I just kept it in my backpack for like two years and let <laughs> it get weathered, I guess. So <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, awesome. It's been through blizzards, through rain, all of that. And uh, uh, like I said, a few nights ago, I actually brought it out because I was talking to someone who did a really long tarot documentary. And I was like, I'm just going to pull a few. I. I, I said I cleared the room by playing along with good vibrations. I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but uh, that's why yeah. I did on, on a telecaster. Yeah, but uh, I just pulled two <laughs> cards to just see where the um, where the where the conversation went. And even in that case, um, first was the, the King of Pentacles, not Major Arcana, not that weird. It's inverted, right? And uh, okay, I pull one more. There's an inverted Queen of Pentacles. I'm like, that's weird. That's <laughs> weird. I know the cards are randomized. I randomized them myself, you know. So yeah. <laughs> That's cool and stuff like the tarot is always fascinating. And that's one of the things this movie actually nailed is that, you know, who knows why, who knows how, but every single reading I've ever done has been no less than, you know, prescient at the very least, if not just beyond all comprehension. <laughs> you have how accurate it is. It's really, really stunning. I love it. Yeah. And um, I actually was impressed somewhat impressed by the the production here they had actually taken the time to sort of do these live action you know reenactments of of a lot of the major arcana so that was kind of fun it and, was uh, cool so there was actually a few dollars behind this production which was nice i'm i'm honestly not quite sure what one thing i like to try and figure out on this show is what what was this intended for i guess it's just like a discovery channel sunday afternoon sort of thing I, i'm not sure <laughs> Yeah, because it was very interesting how like how they looked at it, you know, not just historically, not just how and why you do it, but the various like because they even brought in like a psychologist, I think, or something at some point that was like, it's not magic, it's science, it's psychology. And, you know, so they had all their aspects covered and it was pretty interesting. And for that short of a video, what it was like an hour long. Um, yeah, a little under that, actually kind of packed a lot of punch in that little time and but at the same time like I said it was kind of like the lightest um dip you could take into it but even then the the little bit of depth they had in the those little recreations of the major arcana and and how they presented it as this journey like the hero's journey or the king's journey through that sort of cycle from beginning to end is exactly how the major arcana I think should be looked at so a lot of people don't you know touch on that or get to that point and so that was pretty interesting that they had that in there 
Yeah, I'm my my thing is just fumbling around with the the paper instruction manual that comes with the card still. But you know, I <laughs> I, I I don't charge money to do a reading for anyone. Uh, the ones I've done were basically like we had like some you know some downtime at work, and they were that's why they're in my backpack, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. It's a fun way to start too. And people often ask me because I also teach tarot. You know what? What? How should I learn, or what's the best way to learn? And after my class that I teach, I think the best way to learn is just to do it like anything. You have to just start doing it and get used to it, you know? Absolutely. So, um, I, I guess one, one thing about it is uh, my interest has nothing to do with uh, like divination. I, I have like, I don't think I have any interest in knowing the future at all. It's more just, uh, you know, if the universe is sort of a reflection of ourselves, it's an interesting reflection to sort of get into. Yeah. Well, and I, that's a thing too, about all the readings I do and the most of the layouts that you can even do, there's very little about the future. And I think that that's intentional and intelligent because who could ever know the future? You know, there's no way to know the future. There are definitely patterns and hints, right? Like I'm pretty sure I'm going to do another tarot reading in the future. That's not even a very good guess, right? I don't have to wager that much to know that that's probably true. But, um, but for the most part, you really can't know. You can see the trends and you can pull out like, well, here's what's probably going to happen. Here's what might be coming your way. And um, and here's how maybe you could orient yourself to like deal with that best or use those energies best or get the best results from it. But no one's ever going to know. So even when I'm doing readings, when those few future placements come up, I always emphasize that like this is not written in stone, good or bad. Right. It could be saying like huge upsets are coming. They might not honestly come. Um, it might say, you know, this great fortune is coming. It might not come. All sorts of people have free will. They're all creating this reality together. So here's a very likely outcome, but it's not guaranteed. And that's a good thing. We should all be grateful for that, good or bad, right? Because when we're especially looking at some of the more challenging things that might be coming our way in the future, like, oh, this huge upset might be coming, watch out. Well, the reading should also then tell you, here's some clues on what you can do to try and like shift that a little bit and try and maybe avert it or try and at least like take that brunt of that blow as gracefully as possible or, or whatever. And if it's not giving you those clues, it's not a very good reading, right? That that's what the reading is really supposed to be for is like helping you reflect on the underlying patterns and habits that you have, and then kind of deciding how you can best adjust those to get the best outcome. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh you could call it a self-fulfilling prophecy, but if you had not done the reading, you wouldn't have had the, uh, the idea in the first place, really. So, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's what comes first anyway. Um, <laughs> Very true. I, I, I do, uh, again, I, I'm not someone who does readings, but I did one for, and I mentioned this section, the last podcast I did, but whatever. I did a reading for my coworker last year and it would seem to, it did kind of suggest like future illness. I was like, maybe I gave you just like a COVID one. And then, that ended up being what happened to him. So I was like, that's kind of trippy. I was at his place yesterday. We actually did a few episodes of uh, this podcast. So he, he's doing okay now, but he, <laughs> both, both of us had a pretty rough one, actually. So I was like, yeah, that, that reading was like too accurate looking back a year later. <laughs> well, again, I'll tell you 100% of the readings I've done, the people come back to the people who do come back to tell me anything, which is not everyone, but a lot of the people who do, I do another reading with, or they come back just to tell me how things went are like, this was right on. That's exactly what happened and exactly what we thought, the way we interpreted it, the clues that we had of how to shift a little bit to like handle it a little bit better or however, you know, that went, that was what happened. Now, I'm, I'm not surprised anymore, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's what I expect now. <laughs> One thing that um, 
actually not quite blew my mind out, but uh, it was interesting again, is I, I actually did pretty much buy into the Egyptian origin idea of tarot. Uh, not really, I, I guess it, the fun thing is that we're not quite sure where they come from. So yeah. it was actually kind of nice to, to uh, throw, throw the ambigu ambiguity over onto that. Yes. Yeah, we don't know. What's really fascinating is I've heard people talk about this, like, I'm going to totally butcher the description, but essentially it's like this black magic version, which is the original initial um, version of the tarot. And that the, what we have now is this very like watered down, more positive sort of. And, and this is part of why I think the a lot of fundamentalist sort of religious people look at it as this, no matter how you're using it, it's evil, it's a curse, like, because it's connected to that original, like, black deck or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's real or true or not. I know that I'm not doing evil when I'm doing readings, but I can understand if that were true, why people would have even a, you know, more questions about like should people even be doing this where does it actually come from it is an interesting question but when you look at it too a deck of cards right like the regular cards that we play with playing cards is exactly like the tarot um, minus the major arcana plus the tarot has a, a few more cards because we have more court cards in the tarot deck than we do in a deck of cards um, but just by four right so it's four cards different otherwise it's exactly the same it's ace through ten it's jack queen king um you know, and then we throw on the major arcane on top of that. And that, again, going back to that hero's journey idea, these archetypes, these like collective unconscious universals, that just makes sense that that would just arise naturally um, out of human construct, you know, because these are things that are just true. If you go through the major arcana one card by one card by one card, there's not a single one you're not going to recognize. And you're like, oh, yeah, that is a pretty profound experience in life. That is like a turning point in the in the processes and the sub processes of our of our being um and so as just reflections of our psyche it makes perfect sense like where these all came from yeah exactly um even you know not having the arcana in your normal deck now because I, I think if you saw i put in my notes i'm always always playing blackjack with my students uh, teaching english uh mostly because i started off and there's just you know, it's Japan. Some people are very much in their, their shell and they just like chill out a little more when I did that. So, you know, the, the gambling being who, who asked the question, but the more I do it, the more I'm like, Oh, it's time for the student to win a hand and have a question. And, uh, you know, I'll do it with, with like high school, like multiple high school students sometimes. And again, I know I'm randomizing the cards, but still my intention of how I want it to play out is also like playing out a lot of the time. So that's kind of weird. That is cool. Yeah. Well, and then that gives you a clue if you're going to do fair readings for yourself or others. Um, if your if your intent and your uh, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, your intention is strong enough to have that effect, then maybe you try real, real hard during your readings that you're giving, especially to other people, to like kind of get out of the way and have no intention, like let it be clear and open and um, untouched, so that that reading it really is like for them and not you describing them to them. You know, we, you don't want the reading to be like, here's what I think of you and here's what because because we're very imperfect lenses. Right. But we want it to be as like clear and pure as possible and get out of the way more, which I think anybody who does do readings often has that conceptualization, you know, of like I'm just trying to be an empty space here. Like this is not about me. I'm not connected to it. I'm just part of the process. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's where the, the blackjack comes in because I'm, I'm it is 
it's well it's ego let's accept that i want this class to run smoothly and give everyone their yeah. turn right and i'm doing it with this randomized um <laughs> you know mechanism so um, that's a pretty good use of intention i love it it's a very sweet <laughs> yeah, yeah. <purpose. laughs> so of course the tarot just adds so much more because uh nine of diamonds there's not a whole lot of imagery going on there whereas of course these have tons do you have a favored deck uh that you yes. use or that you like I only have ever used one deck. So everyone assumes that I will know all about the Rider Waite and the meanings associated with those cards. And I don't have any idea about any of that. Um, I do to some extent, because my deck is somewhat similar and most tarot decks will have like a similar sort of structure. Um, but my deck takes a lot of liberty to do whatever it wants. And I love that about it. And it's the Handel deck. Um, and it's made by uh, Handel, <laughs> Herman Handel. Uh, and he just basically each suit has a an a sort of cultural history tied in with it so the stones are native american oh okay yeah, yeah and the swords are egyptian and the cups there's just all in order by chance the cups are northern you know european and so the uh suit cards are all going to have gods and deities of those cultures um what did we miss the spears oh yeah oh, that's a sword anyway the spears are over in india and the sort of vedic tradition yeah, that gives and i nice really like distinguishing factor so i really like that about the suits and then i also really like all of the um minor arcana have an I Ching hexagram so if you were to go look up this specific hexagram it would have a pretty direct parallel but possibly a bit enriching of the meaning of this card, right? This is the four of, of cups and whatever that hexagram is, is gonna connect to that meaning, uh, which is a, a depth that lots of decks don't necessarily necessarily touch on. And then I also love finding a major arcana here that he has incorporated Hebrew letters, uh, runes, and astrological symbol for every single major arcana. So the major arcanas also have, you know, their meaning that they already sort of carried over from history. But then these, again, sort of uh, depths and expansions that that he's brought in and, and drawn in. And then additionally, the minor arcana and the major arcana, he just sort of took some liberties to reinterpret some of it. And so, again, people are like, oh, well, the four of cups always means this. And I'm like, well, in my deck, it means this. <laughs> but what's cool about this deck, too, which I love any of these cards you look at them and there's just rich symbolism there's color there's shape there's placement there's just so much there's a whole story in any card so even if you're not an adept tarot reader you if you're familiar with any level of symbol interpretation you can look at any card and get the meaning from it you know it tells its own story um and i love that too because anyone can pick up this deck i think and at least get something out of it whereas the rider weight you really can't, you know, you flip over the four of cups. You're like, I don't know. And you open the book and look and see what it's supposed to mean, which is also cool. I have no problem with that. I just love the accessibility and the richness of this deck so much that I've never even touched another deck because I have no need to. Cause I'm like, this deck is so rad. And this is the same deck that that story I was telling earlier of my first reading, it was with this deck, which is why I got this deck. Cause it was the only one I knew. And then that was just history. Like that was just chance. I'm just well, very that, lucky. <laughs> the, the, the deck spoke to you, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah, 
probably oh, sorry, should have been ahead. scared of it, but I probably should have run away screaming, but I didn't. <laughs> um, here in Japan, they they're fortune telling. Of course, uh, you know they have some of the the whole eating, but um, I'm grabbing my wallet here because I have some very old Japanese fortunes in here. They're cool. from like 15 or more years ago. But um, you'll grab a a like a wooden jar or something and shake until a stick comes out. And then you take that stick and it matches with a compartment, uh, you know, in the, at the on the temple wall, and it, you get your fortune out of that. Oh, and they come how out. Cool. Is this is this the fun one? There's one that's I have a good one and a bad one, and the bad one is so much more. Is that good? No, that's good fortune. That's no fun. But uh, yeah, I'm holding it up. They they look like this as you can cool. see. It actually is quite old. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fun. But uh, I, I actually want to do a, I want to do a reading, not a reading, but uh, I want to read my old fortune if I can find it because it's hysterical. It's, it's I mean, the, you know, it makes sense in Japanese. It's just it's been transliterated so poorly. Yes, I know. I did a fortune in Istanbul and it was a, a guy had a bunny. I was just standing on the street with a bunny and I was like, what's this? And he's like, oh, it's your fortune. And I was like, I have to get a fortune from a bunny in Istanbul. Like, come on. So I got it. And the bunny just goes up and picks up a random crumpled up piece of paper out of all the crumpled up pieces of paper. And then he drops it in the guy's hand. And then that's my fortune. And same thing. It was like translated so poorly that I was like, I'm keeping this forever. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I did here. So I'll, I'll do a, I'll do a, uh, if you would indulge me, I'll do a quick uh, reading of this one. It's number, it's number 31. It's, it's box number 31. Final, the least fortune. A chance doesn't come yet, so a large can't change into a giant bird. Everything is not ready to move on. Stand still on the shoreline, waiting for a good chance in future. A chance is coming to the fish to be a giant bird. The giant fish is merely to fly to the sky, pushing up the waves. Everyone can learn the big fame when he meet a chance. Your request will not be granted. Wait for a chance. The patient is hard to cure. The lost article will be found, but late. The person you wait for will come, but late. Building a new house and removal are both well. To start a trip is good. Marriage and employment are both well. This actually makes more sense now because I've been teaching so long here. <laughs> you understand it better. I'm like, that's clear as nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but well, I guess will it's... fly into a turtle. Like, huh? <laughs> Well, it's because I know what grammar mistakes are made sometimes. So I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm now like, oh, there are a few of them. And, um, you know, <laughs> I, also just that was the second time I think I pulled one of those. And I, and I got the least fortune. Final. The least like, fortune. <laughs> you're not getting another one. This is it, buddy. <laughs> you know, but there I do no keep fortunes beyond this. Exactly. Oh, well, what is good fortune? Good fortune. That was number 31 for the least fortune. Good fortune is... Number 23. So it, maybe they just mean it's like the final box or whatever. But again, that's the whole idea of the uh, the I Ching, right? It's it's just been changed a little bit. So you can um, so a family can roll up at New Year and, and do it in a relatively short amount of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the I Ching is actually so cool and profound, too. Like as far as the two, my two favorite Oracle systems so far, I'd say the I Ching and Tarot are in. And so cool that my deck combines them. But I don't know how it would ever really, I mean, I'd have to have a pretty good memory to memorize every hexagram and be able to just know it by sight. Like, oh, that's 52. And that means this, like, that'd be crazy. So I don't actually include that in my readings. I always point it out to people and just say, you know, like, I think the hexagrams are awesome. I Ching is awesome. If you want to notice this and go look it up. I'm sure you can get even more out of this. Um, but I'm never, I'm never going to be able to just memorize them all and be able to like spout them off 
but uh, I mean, the whole point is it's just that's a focused way to, again, read the universe. Sometimes I'm walking down the street and go left, I'll go right. And I might base that on what's happening, you know, and in, in just around on the street. Like, oh, there's a bird. I'll go that way. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it's a synchronicity and simple interpretation. That's the thing, too. I think people um, maybe think that you have to have like a gift to do these things. And um, and I'm not saying I don't maybe have a gift, but I am saying that I think anybody can pick these things up and start to use them. And, um, you know, like we were talking about, if you have either the intention to give really good, clear readings or have the intention to get out of the way so that meaning can come through, that that is going to be what happens for you. And at the very, very least, even if there's nothing kind of hyper you know, profoundly spiritual or magical or whatever going on at the very least, you know, um, you're having this really nice opportunity to reflect deeply into your own psyche and who doesn't need that. Right. <laughs> like everyone. So I just think it's a, it's a cool thing that can be picked up by anybody. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's, it's almost like a form of therapy that doesn't necessarily involve a, you know, a psychologist's office, which, you know, some people, that's exactly the place you would want to be for that setting. And other people, it's, you know, anathema, that's not where you'd want to be at all. So, yeah, which it, that makes it so much more accessible to people, right? Especially if they have like a hang up about like therapy or, or whatever. And I always tell people, I'm like, if you're not ready for some aspect of a therapy session, it's probably, I'm probably not the right tarot reader for you. Cause I don't know if it's me or if this is just how tarot goes, but it's always like, okay, here's what you're doing wrong in your like mental, emotional, spiritual life, you know, and, and here's how you can fix it too. Um, a lot of people I think really want it to, to be like, Oh, there's like these evil forces that have thrown these things in your way and poor you. And uh, you know, it's never your fault, but no, it's always like, okay, this is really all your fault. And here's how you can fix it. <laughs> I shouldn't really say that it's not actually ascribing fault, but it's just pointing out like the patterns that we have that lead to certain outcomes that we're often doing unconsciously. Um, and what a beautiful thing you could pay hundreds, thousands of dollars to a therapist, or you could toss me, you know, some bucks and and get it out that way i think it's really beautiful process in that way but then again the person who is having that that frightfulness about the idea of a reading if they were to just you know bite the bull and do their own reading yeah it would be a horrible dark you know thing because that's how they're going to read it that's true too yeah well yeah and that happens too there's there's this very frustrating thing that happens where um you know, most people are pretty open. They've come to the reading because they want to understand and it's a genuine desire to understand. And even though we all have some of that, like, oh, it can't all be my fault. <laughs> um, it must be these like demons or just something like stopping my life from moving forward. We also all have some awareness that like, there's probably something I can do. And, you know, I want to know what that is. And so most people, I think, take the messages and really think about them and reflect on them and use them to uplift themselves or to move on from something or to fix, you know, some aspect of their life. But there's always a few people who just will not receive the message. There's like, no, that's not, that is not what it's saying. That's not, you're, you're reading it wrong. Or like, it's like one person out of like a hundred. And I'm always like, man, I mean, I can see it really clearly. You're the mother that I know you are not just, I can just see it. The cards are really clear, but you're like, still not, you paid money to try and see it and you're still not going to see it. And that's always really, frustrating isn't even the right word it's like sad i'm like oh you went to all this effort and then you're still going to ignore the message that's sad you know you could have this opportunity to like change things around for yourself and really find a breakthrough and you you don't really want it <laughs> it's too hard something about it is too hard to see 
So that happens too, but you could apply that to anything in life too, right? We all have people in our life that you're like, dude, you still aren't seeing this thing about you. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. One, uh, this is a slightly different topic, but are, are you familiar with the, uh, the Seth material, the, the channeled Jane Roberts books? One, I would highly I recommend so. them. Uh, she was a lady uh, in the, the 60s, 70s. They, they, her and her husband started, they were journalists and artists, uh, but started playing with a Ouija board, right? And came into contact with the spirit where she would eventually, you know, channel it, right? And is that, did that happen? Or were they, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a sham. They never made much money from this, you know? Yeah. She, she actually died um, more or less ignoring the advice that the channeled entity was giving her. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that gives it a little credence too. The last book actually, it's called The Way to Health and actually has her channeling from a hospital bed. So it's pretty wild. Wow. But, you know, of course, the first thing is, oh, come on, that's, that's, there's no channeling. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter if she just found this weird way to access her own subconscious because what's in the book is what matters, right? Right. It's like, like when well, you read these books and it's just fascinating about how it takes weird tours of reality. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter what she was doing. Maybe she was just doing a funny voice and saying interesting stuff. I don't know. I mean, yeah. if you want to believe she was actually coming in contact with a, a higher self entity as well, that's cool. But it's kind of the same thing with, thing with tarot. If you want it to be bullshit, sure, it's going to be bullshit. Yeah. Well, that's the other interesting thing. And I absolutely agree with you. And that's exactly how I think you should evaluate things. Like, is this helping you? Well, then cool. Who cares what it's doing, right? Is it harming you? Like, well, maybe don't do it anymore. Uh, where is it coming from? Again, if the if the outcome and the intent is good, who cares, <laughs> right? And you can look at it from an aspect of psychology. You can look at it from magic. You can look at it from spiritual um, influence, your higher self, all these different things. And I'm always like, I don't even really care which one, right? They're all equally plausible and equally as fascinating. But I do have people who come sometimes and I can feel it. I like know it ahead of time. I'm like, this person is coming into this with pure skepticism, which is totally cool. I think people should be skeptical. I'm very skeptical by nature. And it's taken me, took me a while to really like trust that tarot was actually doing something very beneficial and beyond my understanding and roll with it. Uh, but these people come in, you know, with a skepticism and I can feel it. I know it. And the reading is always just garbage, you know? And I'm like, I, I still see some messages trying to come through that are real and true, but I just see how it's like, they have to struggle to even get out because this person is basically like suppressing it with their psyche. Just like we were talking about earlier, you have your intention that, you know, you're going to pull a certain card or have your class influenced in a certain way. I think these people have this intention that they're going to prove that this is bullshit and so they're like making it come out as sort of garbled nonsense instead of this coherent story or this coherent message that could help them and i'm like well this is i mean you just paid me money to waste your own time <laughs> i'm not affected by this right like i keep doing readings and everyone else still has a great you know experience and and reflective time so you just paid to like waste your own time like that's also another sad and somewhat frustrating Thing that happens one thing I, I was using second grade math on this of course so i'm like oh, 20 21 major arcana and then i was like oh there's you know then i started thinking about chakras right the fool's journey being similar to sort of the the moving up through yeah. the chakras just in my own thing I, I feel like i've been like started to proliferate podcasting on my own because maybe maybe i'm working on that fifth one right yeah <laughs> so yeah um, but, oh, I, I also am definitely working on this fifth chakra and, the, and here I am doing this podcasting thing. So I totally think that's very, very likely. 
I was uh, moving all the energy through. Yeah, I was talking to my uh, coworker a few weeks ago, and I was like, "Yeah, I kind of do this in part to like to um, you know, work on my social anxiety or whatever." And he's like, "Oh, so like you get a guest on, you can just kind of chill out." And I'm like, "No, I get really no. socially anxious." Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> like <laughs> every time my show is live, and every time I go live, I'm like, "Why the fuck am I doing this to myself? Like this is terrifying. I'm gonna make mistakes. People are gonna judge me. Like what?" And then I just always am like, "Whatever." That's part of why I did it, right? And people are like, "Oh, you must be like." you know, I don't know, a Leo or like want attention or something. I'm like, no. <laughs> or they're like, oh, you're really an extrovert. I'm like, no, I'm not. My favorite thing to do is like sit quietly in a dark forested waterfall by myself. Like I don't really want to, to interact with people, but I do. i also love that. And I'm like you though. I'm like pushing myself to do it. It's good for us. Yes, yes, yes. Cause I got, um, I've been, I'm putting this one out like three times a week, right? The, the Monday show is just the excuse to talk to my friend I grew, across, uh, grew up across the street from, right? That, that was yes. the point of doing this podcast in the first place. And then a few other friends. So I, I actually have, I, God, I just did an episode with uh, you know, my best friend when I was like 13 and we haven't like talked for 30 years. So it was like, pretty awesome. wild. Yeah, yeah. Because he moved out to California. I was in Atlanta, right? Um, and, then, and then, yeah, I was like, oh, I can get some other people on, which is you're now part of the, the weekend crew where I get other interesting people and you know uh, the guy doing our podcast was like, why are you doing so many and I, I told him the reason is I have no idea yeah <laughs> yeah it's just this is what happened well that's the same me I started doing once a week and that was seemed like a lot of work and a lot and then eventually I was like I don't know I could probably do one more and then eventually I was like I could probably do just another and in my head it's always like I'll just go live for like half an hour and just say what's up to people and kind of recap some things that have gone on and you know, talk, say, say hi, and then end it. And then it always turns into this like two hour production that I put all this research into. And I'm like, why did I do this? But I also love it. Every time I'm like energized and invigorated. And, you know, especially just the social aspect, I think everybody needs that probably more so this year than ever. And that is good, right? Bringing just this like chill, like, oh, yeah, we're just people and we can just connect and like be normal. And that's good. <laughs> we enjoy that, actually, even if we are introverted by nature. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe I'm too optimistic. I don't know. Cause I'm like 2020 was a fantastic year. And, and I, and like I said, my coworker, I, we both had like, like just to let you know, I actually had like a run of the lymphoma in the face last year. So you could call that a terrible year, but I'm like, well, I'm looking back. I'm like, I, I actually enjoyed my year pretty well. Uh, Japan didn't still doesn't have the level of, um, lockdown i think the states did i the only time i missed work was because i had to go to a hospital they wanted us in the office every day <laughs> wow see and is that just is do you think there's more of like a rational approach to things there or do you think they're just like yeah we already kind of understood how to keep ourselves clean like why would this be a problem or that's, something or that's a big part of it um because uh, uh, you tend to already social distance from people just that's japan I mean, you know, the, the, where they did have like problems, I guess, was Tokyo, where they do have to cram people in the trains like sardines. But out here, I'm usually walking around in a rice field or something. There's no one anywhere near me. Um, That's awesome. I, I, you know, I listen to podcasts where sometimes I don't. Right. And I'm yeah. just open air. I just hold my phone in my hand or in my pocket and just playing out loud. So I'm not even doing it on headphones or anything. But uh, <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> um, you know, and. and Japan, it was already like if you are sick, it was already like, you know, you're supposed to wear a mask. Um, yeah. So, 
now it's getting summer again i have noticed a few people and uh I, I live in nagano which is kind of a medium size or i like well, work in nagano i live in a different town but uh it's it's not tokyo there's plenty of countryside around and i have noticed some people just being like okay it's hot now screw this unless i'm in your face so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and how that, hot is it there um well i am in the mountains it's moderated a little bit um wh where are you again I, I i'm in colorado right now and it's like we're on a streak of an entire week and a half of above 90s and it's killing me oh no we're not I'm not dealing with that yet here it's um, <laughs> good <laughs> Um, of course, we we do Celsius, so I'm gonna. It's been around like 25, which is around 75, maybe. <laughs> oh, that's my perfect. That's like my favorite temperature. 75 is yeah. perfect. I've actually lost. Weirdly, I actually have lost my um, aptitude for American measurements, which is kind of wild. So good because they're completely nonsensical. So. You're better off. <laughs> but I'm, I'm telling my mom or something. It's like, yeah, yeah, we went to this place. It's about 50 kilometers away. She's like, what is that in like real measurement? <laughs> What's that in America? <laughs> oh, oh, the awesome. most fun was, um, you know, I, I, I send my dad like these podcast episodes when I, I think I, you know, he might want to hear it and I didn't say something absolutely horrible. So, <laughs> and I was like, oh, what, what kind of a host? Now that I'm kind of doing some hosting interviewing stuff, um, you know, what is it coming across as? And Oh, they're like, you seem kind of like Dick Cavett. And then my mom's like, he doesn't know who that is. And they get into a 15 minute argument about if I know who Dick Cavett is. And I'm like, why well, I do, because I always watch the episode where Bowie came on his show in the 70s. <laughs> I've never heard of Dick Cavett, but I love that they didn't just ask you. They just argued about whether or not you would know. You're like right yeah, there. Yeah. You're like, um, actually, I can just tell you. No. Okay. <laughs> he, he did basically kind of like in the late 60s and through the 70s, he did like kind of long form uh, television interviews, almost like proto podcast when you get down oh, to it. Cool. But yeah, a lot of like, I think John Lennon came through his show and uh, Bowie and, you know, people who weren't musicians, just I guess if I'm on YouTube looking and I often find his show. So <laughs> that's cool. So do you feel good being compared to him? Or are you like, yeah, that's a that's a goal. Yeah, yeah. When I heard it, I was like, cool. Um, yeah, as there's, uh, I keep mentioning Bowie one because Bowie was just this 1974. He's just whacked out of his mind, sitting in the. <laughs> he, he, sent, he even had the flu, so his voice is shot, but he still sounds, you know, fabulous. It's great. Sits so down. He's he's trying to Dick Cavett's trying to interview him, and he Bowie's sitting down, obviously, just somewhere else, twirling a giant <laughs> cane. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you, I'm you not actually here right now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that that's something I guess you don't get um, with podcast. Although in the last year, yeah, Zoom's definitely better because I did so many, like, even if someone doesn't want the video post or whatever, it's kind of nice to at least see the person uh, when you're talking to them. Um, yeah, it's way easier. I just noticed now when I'm on the phone, I have such a hard time. I'm like trying to imagine, like, is it my turn to talk yet? Or like, I don't know. Even when we can see each other, I feel like I cut people off sometimes on accident. But at least if we can see each other, we have more of that social cue of like, okay, yeah, this is, a, oh, she's happy. She's joking. It's not actually a mean thing she just said or whatever. Instead of this like guessing game that my brain plays anytime I'm on the phone, I, I've learned to really hate being on the phone. Although I guess the texting is worse, right? Then that's when you can really misinterpret what yeah. people's moods are. I feel like attribute massive amounts of emotion that aren't even there. I had this friend once who I, I texted her. I said something like, um, well, you're, you're car less. You don't have a car. So you can ride with so-and-so or something. 
and she was just never responded. And then she wasn't answering my calls and she like, wouldn't talk to me. And I was like, what the hell? And finally I was like, dude, what is wrong? Why won't you talk to me? We have this thing coming up. We're supposed to all do. And she's like, you just call me careless. I'm like, when did I call you careless? She's like, look, she shows me the test. I'm like, carless, you don't have a car. She's like, oh, like we just had like a week <laughs> of a fight over stupid taxes is so dumb, but that has only continued and gotten worse. That was like 20 years ago. So. Yeah, I basically only, I only talk on the phone to like my friend in Tokyo and I do that the same way as podcasting usually walking around outside with it in my hand. Uh, again, having had the medical issue last year, I'm like, I think I'm not going to be holding cell phones to my head anymore. <laughs> Smart choice. Yeah, get them as far away as possible, genuinely. But it's also nice that your parents like care about your show. <laughs> they'll like think about it and listen to it and talk to you i swear my mom's just like oh that's nice honey your weird stupid shit let's not talk about that anymore <laughs> like, well my dude. mom might do that a little bit more but no my, my yeah. dad will listen to these episodes when i when i send them his way so um the although there is one downside when i get them on video uh my daughter's about to turn 12 right she's grew up she's grown up in japan so english is her that's second cool. language wow and then the delay on the skype sometimes like just flips her out she thinks like because and then my parents are, like you know 72 73 so maybe they're not hearing it right and i found that i always stress out when i when i have her talking to my parents like if they're in the same room it would probably be fine but this weird delay I, she's getting old enough now i guess she understands what's happening but especially uh, two years ago it is, she probably thought that oh my english skills are just terrible yeah these people don't even know what i'm saying Oh, that's funny. Speaking of parents and shows, I had a friend of mine on my show recently, and my show is for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, it's called Rogue Ways. And uh, they're, so they're on my show and they somehow they like let their parents know or something. And they said, oh my God, this is crazy. My dad for the first time ever is actually like watching a show that I've done. It's your show, not my show, but like it's a show that I've done. He has never paid attention or acknowledged that I even do a show. He's watching it on the big screen TV and he just like put it on Facebook. Look, I'm so proud of my son. He's on Rogue Ways. And I was like, it's really weird to be proud of someone for being my show is not that big. Like, what is he talking about? And he's like, I think he thinks your show is Joe Rogan. I was like, oh, that's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. He's like so proud because he doesn't understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I, I had, a, again, one of my friends doing the, the sci-fi movies podcast. He's like, oh, I don't know. if I, Maybe this won't expand your listeners. I'm like, I don't know if we have listeners, man. Yeah, yeah they'll deal with it because there's like I, five I think, of them. I think you're our fan, like Flight of the Concord style, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're one fan, right? So the the diehard weirdo. Like, why do you even what? <laughs> no, it grows. It's slow though. This is like not the time to have started thing. And even what I think I started Rogueways like three years ago now or something like that. And even then it was kind of like too late. And I think the the reason to do it is to do it because you love it, right? Because like it's very unlikely at this point that anybody's gonna get very big. <laughs> And I don't yeah, want to yeah. say that to be like pessimistic, but they've just got a chokehold now on the algorithms and the way that people find things. And uh, it's just really unlikely. And so you like to grow organically is not really possible. And that, therefore, like the growth is slow either way, uh, no matter what you do, it seems like it's really hard to get any traction um, at all. Yeah, I've been doing uh, putting music 
up on like Bandcamp were for 10 years. And I think about 2015 was the point when it, I mean, it never made tons of money, but that was the part where a point when I knew people were actually like coming in and listening and stuff. So that's cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's why I'm always like honored that anybody listens or that anybody likes it or if anybody shares it with someone else. I'm just like, that's awesome because there, you have infinite, infinite content to choose from. So yeah. what an honor, you know? But I mean, you you know, if you do get statistics, I mean, for whoever you're doing, if it's like 50 people, it's like, well, only 50 people will download this one. Well, that's that's a you know reasonably stocked club, right? So yeah. you can perform for that many people. That's fine. I mean, you know, if, if if you got 15 listeners, like, well, if you did this in front of a classroom, you'd still do it, you know? <laughs> right, right. No, it's totally true. It's totally true. And again, if you love it and you're enjoying it, you're doing it for something that you know get you get something out of it. Why wouldn't you do it anyway? Keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, I I do this before I go to work most of the time, so which I'll be needing to cut off probably in about fifteen for that, to be honest. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's like a rollout <laughs> bet. I I talk to somebody, you know, it's it's very different than the uh, I could be playing video games. I get to sleep in, so I don't know. I guess I got too old to sleep in, especially with a four thirty sunrise. But <laughs> see, and you're and you're like me. It's like I've. I want to be do. I'd rather be doing something than doing nothing. Sometimes doing something is kind of doing nothing. Like I'm going to go sit down in the yard and put my feet on the ground. I'm not going to like have my phone. I'm just going to do nothing. That's still doing something. Right. But I'd rather be doing something than like sitting there like, okay, I mean, what now? Right. Like I've read a billion books. <laughs> I've got to do something else and being creative, you know, literally producing something and creating something that's a noble goal, no matter what. So bringing something to someone too, like you said, those 50 people or however many there are, those people are getting something out of it. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, just getting people. And I'm sure for getting guests, you probably do what I do, where you just spitball these things where you can see what sticks. And sometimes yeah. you're like, whoa, this person actually wants to talk to me. That's that's That blows my mind. So <laughs> Totally. Yeah. People ask me, they're like, how do you go about like thinking of who to ask? I'm like, I literally will just, like you mentioned some names maybe, I don't know, whoever, I'll basically be talking to anyone. They'll mention names I've never heard of. And I'll just go ask those people to be on my show, having no idea anything about them. <laughs> and then some of them say yes. And sometimes this is really embarrassing, but sometimes they're really big and I don't even know it by the time I'm like, until I'm like talking to them and they're describing to me what they do. I'm like, holy shit. How, why did this person even agree to talk to me? Cause I'm maybe an asshole, but I don't really do any research before a show because I figure if I'm coming in fresh with this person, I'm going to ask them all the questions my audience will want to know because they are also coming in fresh and aren't very familiar with this person. So I want to ask questions that would genuinely come to mind for someone who has no idea what this person is talking about. And I think that makes for a really good, so far it's worked out really well for me, but it gives the opportunity for things like that to happen where I'm like, wow, I had no idea that person was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, that, for me, I, I never prepare any questions. No, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do, I, but they're not. I never get to them. I'm like, just in case this is the one time I totally blank. Here's a list of questions. But like uh, we do what we're you and I have been doing this whole time, which is just talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one of the reasons I base on films is that's my like fallback. It's like, well, if, if things better, it's like, oh, back to the film, which and it doesn't, it's not even that awkward because that's kind of what we're here to do in the first place right <laughs> right yeah so I, it's actually cool because people get them this new experience shared together too like i had never seen that film so it was perfect yeah and i know i have some listeners that rarely actually watch the movie in question they actually are coming in to hear the conversation anyway so sitting there and being like in scene one this happened scene two is not good yeah. for anyone 
um, that, so I make the film notes. So I'm like actively watching. And, and when I do this, when I got you on the left side of the screen, my notes on the right, just thing I can glance over and, uh, you know, <laughs> see what I need. Oh, yeah, but, that thing. <laughs> right, right. It's a little different. So, uh, and, and that way I, I know if I'm not saying anything funny that day, I hopefully I wrote something funny. Like, uh, I wonder who would win in a tarot versus eating death match. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which the, or they just like merge into one and become even more powerful. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I was growing up in high school, um, when I was growing up in high school, that barely makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, I don't remember people having tarot around, but you know, yeah. they did have they did have all the the magic cards and and the Pokemon trading cards is actually uh, this upcoming Friday's episode. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I was too old for Pokemon, but, but not my uh, regular co-host. He was, you know, actually one of his other podcasts is called, uh, is about Pokemon. So we did that. But uh, I, I was just starting to wonder if, if there's, and I don't know much about these, these uh, sort of like role-playing or card decks. Uh, Am I, am I, do you know what I'm talking about at all? <laughs> yeah, I, well, I actually learned Magic the Gathering. My sister played it in high school, I think, and I learned it years later, like actually only like maybe a decade ago, uh, I learned it and started playing it. It's super fun, actually. Like I really, now it's changed since then. And I don't know if I'd even understand what's going on, but when I was playing it 10 years ago, it was really fun. I had a white green deck and it was rad. I guess uh, coming from not having the, uh, fundamentalist uh finger of shame pointed uh, at the cards but i will say i probably know about as much about those as they do so is yeah. there any similarity with the with something like tarot uh no i mean just in the sense i guess that they're sort of almost maybe suits there's there's um i don't even remember what they're called but there's like black decks red decks green decks white and they all have like an energy sort of like archetypal thing going on with them that, that would be the only real similarity and it's pretty it's a stretch so okay. it really isn't but yeah and in high school i know people were playing that with that i i think i literally was the only person who touched tarot in my entire high school and then and it was weird and and it got weirder when like all the readings that i was giving people were like blowing their mind and so then i was just like the girl who does way too many drugs and also does tarot readings and like that was just a very weird like role to play in a high school social stratus but that's what that's what i did <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, was, I guess just because those cards are like so artistic uh i wondered if there's any any line through there but yeah it's like I'd see kids playing them in the, like the lunchroom, right? But I, yeah. I go for high. I never wanted to be in a lunchroom. I didn't like the smell there, so I just went outside every time. And uh, yeah. when it's January, I guess you know who your true friends are because they came out too. <laughs> true. <laughs> I like. I would go to the lunchroom and I would like. I would just jump table to table to table because I just. We grew. Up, my town was so small. We grew up since we were little, and I'm like, I'm not gonna pretend like we don't all know each other. Like, I'm not gonna pretend like I'm like only in this clique because we dress the same and like not talk to the people I've known for 12 years or whatever. Like, not doing that. So I would hop tables and just talk to whoever and hang out and whatever. And this girl came up to me one day and was like, Lindsay oh my God, I need to talk to you. And I was like, what? She was like, you can't keep doing this. And I was like, doing what? She's like, you can't keep going from table to table. I was like, what, are you serious right now? This is like a problem for you is that I'm moving from table to table and that's like messing up your whole worldview or something. Like, this is crazy. It really made me understand how people like 
need clicks. They need to know who's in what group. They need to be able to organize them by their little hierarchy or whatever. And I was like, you're insane. Act. This whole thing is insane, but you're the most insane part of it because you need it. I'm ruining it for you. And it's scary. Well, they, they, they knew Matt was, he's not at one of the tables. He's outside in 32 degree weather for some See? reason. I would have come out and been like, what's up, Matt? Every oh, yeah. once in a while. Oh, and that was, that was, ha <laughs> and then when it was warmer, everyone went out and, and did the most 90 things ever and played hacky sack. <laughs> yeah, hacky sack. <laughs> I like brought a hacky sack to my classroom. I taught high school too, and I don't anymore, but uh, in the States and in Istanbul and in Bahrain. But in the States, I brought a hacky sack in because my students were like, what's a hacky sack? And I was like, dude. And so I like brought one in and was just like showing them like toe punching. And then we started doing daily hack circles at the last like five minutes of class. And I was like, this is pretty cool. We're like bringing it back, you know? Right. Right. So yeah, yeah. That's what that was going on at my high school. They, 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 until it got cold, but yeah, even now I just, yeah, I tend to spend like my lunch breaks. I'm just like, I'm outside for my lunch break and I'm probably not even going to bother and eat anything during that time. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice to be away. Right. Hey, you got that space and you got the air and that's a good way to spend a lunchtime. Yeah. I mean, uh, here in Oregon, I'm, I'm in the Valley, right? I haven't, geez, I haven't been outside of my Valley in forever. Right. But, uh, just, you know, I was always attracted to this place. Um, Atlanta, once I had grown up, when the closer I was to Atlanta, the more unfulfilled I felt. So I guess I'm pretty much as far away as you can get now from, from Atlanta. No, I'm not shitting on Atlanta. It's a fine town. I just, I guess I, felt a strong compulsion not to settle down the place I was born. Yeah, no, I totally feel it. I actually stayed around the place I was born. I was born in the, well, no, that's not true at all, but I moved to the Pacific Northwest when I was like three or four. So I grew up there and spent much of my life there. I went to college there, multiple colleges there. Um, and then I stayed, I got work there, you know, like I taught my first three or yeah, however many teaching jobs in public schools were all in that area. And then I traveled, like I said, and taught abroad and then came back and got another teaching job in that area. And then now I live in Colorado. And it was very, it was like very sudden for my family. They were like, what? You're not going to live in Washington? Like, this is insane. I'm like, you guys, I've been telling you this for like years, like literally years. And they're like, huh, what? I'm like, I know it's real hard to deal with like decades of sameness changing but it's not actually sudden but they just like could not deal with the concept and i think they're still weirded out they're like so you're not back yet huh i'm like no <laughs> i'm in colorado sorry it's so weird i, I never properly made it into the public school i i, I got an offer it was like I, I think it was a junior high in like the countryside of south carolina and i felt like taking that job would be a prison sentence and <laughs> then i ended up in japan instead so hey <laughs> that's way cooler yeah take it I, I sometimes think of uh, teaching abroad again because it was so awesome. And I'm sure, I mean, how long have you been there? Um, I first came in 2004 and I, I've had maybe two years where I, or two or three years where I was back in the States. But yeah, I haven't been outside the country for, geez, almost 11 years now. No, slightly more than 11 years. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, that's, that's a testament to how awesome it is. I don't know if people, I guess there's people who just would not enjoy it, but I love being in new places and learning new cultures. And, you know, if, if I found something like, I feel like Japan would keep me there too, basically is what I'm trying to say. I feel like that culture is a lot to offer. Um, and especially if you're somewhere, it sounds like you're really in a beautiful place too, where you get to have nature around you, which you can't really beat. Exactly. So, um, 
Yeah, and uh, honestly, I, I mean, this is where I live. My my Japanese skills are still garbage, by the way, but uh, <laughs> my language skills, I mean. <laughs> but well, uh, that's the other thing people don't really get that you can go. I went and taught English abroad, and I didn't know the languages, you know, because you're teaching students who already have the basics, and the whole point is they're supposed to only hear and talk to you in English. So, you know, people think that you have to learn the language to go teach somewhere, but you don't. I mean, it's not going to hurt. You can. It'd be cool, but yeah, I'd be like you, like ah. I have enough to like take taxis and order food and right. that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> Be polite. Exactly. So, and, and I want to train them in a restaurant. I literally don't have to listen to people because <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I'd, I'd ha I would really have to pay attention to even catch what they're saying. So it's kind of nice. <laughs> that, that's what I probably should learn more, of course, but uh, <laughs> you got a good excuse though. <laughs> and, um, I guess I'm going to wrap up today because, uh, like I said, I got the aforementioned work to go to, but uh, can you tell the good folk a little bit about your podcast and uh, where to find that? Yeah, I do a podcast and a live show. And so you can catch the live show and watch me and whoever's on with me every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday at 7 p.m. Mountain um, and see the show. You can also catch it on any podcast app. And then um, I do a lot of stuff. And so if anybody wants to check out all, I write books, I make jewelry, I do orgone, I do readings for people, I do other spiritual work, I all kinds of stuff. So if anybody wants to see just all of it in one place, you can go to rogueways.org. Okay. And yeah, obviously, since uh, we at least talked some about the tarot movie today before talking about high school, which is also fun. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, again, I, I have no clue where these things are going to go, which is uh, part of the charm. <laughs> part of the fun, yeah. <laughs> this podcast is Oral Hygiene Pod. It's at Facebook and Twitter um, and on all the podcast catchers, or whatever they call those. Um, we do several podcasts. We also talk about sci-fi films, Pokemon, Monster Hunter. Those last two are, are not me, but all of those are under the umbrella of uh, Podcastio Podcastius at Patreon, where uh, currently I'm just putting these up as soon as they're made. So just to let you know, this will probably air in about two and a half weeks, but people that do the Patreon can hear it earlier if they feel like it. So... I guess Perfect. I'll, I got to end it. I, I got my uh, Smith uh, deck here, Smith weight deck, and uh, I'll just see how we're going to end the show by pulling one out here. Perfect. <laughs> Who knows what it's going to be? It's, it's, I, I, I don't even know. I'm just showing it to you. Whoa, it's swords. Three of swords. Okay. Three of swords reversed. Yeah, yeah. I think inverted. I don't even know what that means, but that's cool because it was yeah. all random. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Again, let's see. Thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, people should definitely, I mean, I, I called you here because I've heard a few you know, on some podcasts and it's always a good time to, to uh, hear you go on some topics we didn't even get into, which is always great. And some I've never heard. So <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Matt. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Okay. Have a good evening out there. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done.